0: from new york it's ask an engineer
1: hey everybody it's me lady ada and i only have eyes for you uh it's me miss lady ada the engineer with me mr lady ada on camera control and baby ada in the background we've got exciting show for you tonight all sorts of new products and videos that is not out yet coming soon uh and updates for circuit python and more and more and more so let's pick it let's tell them the codes and let's get right onto it.
0: On tonight's show, the code is ESP friends. This is not, um, you know, for psychic powers. It's actually for the ESP 32 S3. I'm going to just break with the format a little bit. Um, we have just a few in the store right now. This is our new product of the week. There'll be more tomorrow. There's going to be more tomorrow. Will the code be there? Maybe, maybe not. But if you wanted to right now, the second you can put in ESP friends, get one of those. You also get free stuff. We'll talk about that. That's the code for tonight, all the way up to 11.59 PM. You would be supporting the, uh, only woman owned open source hardware company on planet earth that I know of that has, uh, 600. 600 open source hardware certifications for our designs. I'll talk about that soon. Um, your orders fuel us. We don't do uh, venture capital or loans or uh, any of that stuff. It's just all the orders that you place. So thanks for that. We just did show and tell, do a little bit of recap of it's 10 PM. to you know where engineers are? Ada. we do that on Sundays, including the great search time travel. We're going to look around in the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers, probably a little bit of a recap of stuff that we've posted this week. We have a Fundamentals manufacturing in Your City video. A little bit of uh, centerface action with our auto stenciler this week. Some 3D printing videos. We're going to do INMPI brought to you by DigiKey. This week is Renaissance. We got some top secret. We got new products. We're going to answer your questions. We do that on Discord because we're streaming on all sorts of places. um slash discord. Join us. All like 38,000 of us, all of that and more on, you guessed it, Asking Engineer.
1: Yay.
0: So, um, PSP Friends is a code. You get free stuff later, what have you got?
1: Yes, so we have freebies again, and we've mixed it up. Now, $99 $9 or more, you get this beautiful gold-plated coaster with the Adafruit logo.
0: One of the few things that are logo on it.
1: That's right. I designed it in a full five minutes, It even have had. Uh, no, I, I drew it in the Illustrator. Uh, we also have the KB2040 free when you order 149 or more. We have UPS Grab Shipping. It's free back. Better, better rates. In the content of the United States with yep. better rates than ever. $200 or more and $299 or more. We still have Circuit Playground Express in stock. Our all-in-one development board with LEDs, buttons, sensors, and more. Yep. Great way to learn programming. Great way to learn electronics. You can use it with Arduino, Code.org, yep. CS Discovery, CircuitPython, yep. MicroPython, yep. Rust. You you name it, it's supported. it Yeah.
0: Out. And a little bit of a note, you know, sometimes, um, I've had a week, it's only like Wednesday, but sometimes yeah. people get hung up on like which programming language and they yell at each other and they're crummy. So, you know, it's kind of cool hardware that you can put anything you want on it.
1: That's right. So C++. C++. Yes. yes.
0: And and when I say like hardware, I don't just mean computers. Computers, sometimes it's hard. You can't just throw any Linux you want on that new MacBook Pro M2. Yeah. Um, you can't just do anything you want there. But on microcontrollers, at least the ones that we're most interested in and the ones that we like to design for, you can put all sorts of different things on it. So if you like Rust, great. If you like C++, great. If you like Python, great. Um, it's uh, not, Assembler, a, go for it's it. not an or. It's an and. You can yeah. do all these things. Uh, you know. We have which live shows. We just show and tell. On Show and tell this week, um, Liz stopped by and showed off the talking AdaBot clock. Super cool project. If you want to make a talking clock with a bunch of files that you could call upon, super easy. You know, the time is 517. Um, we showed how to do that before it was in Arduino now, circuit python. And then Liz talked about the Docker project uh Liz recently did. Um Your guide? makes it yeah, we'll get to that in, later on in the show, makes it really easy for you to do Linuxy stuff um without kind of a headache uh aaron showed the figment project taking a teddy ruxpin and turning it into a figment the dragon that has grandma's voice grandpa's voice okay. aunt's voice yeah it's really neat um kind of a big epic uh project for for the you know the end result is like a kid have fun with this little animatronic but it was really tough um, and then guy stopped by with this really neat effects pedal. Maybe you can explain what this is because it's like USB host. It's a little bit of, yeah, it was, it's a little bit of like everything.
2: It's an
1: HID mapper, but it can do like effects, like audio effects, but for HID. So, uh, it can loop, but it loops like HID commands. So like your mouse or your keyboard, whatever you're typing, it'll like loop it repeatedly. Like uh, add noise or reverb or you can smooth things out. So it's kind of like a, like a HID keyboard mouse filter, um, with like, but it looks like a guitar pedal. Okay.
0: Um, and then we uh, kind of randomly do this, it's 10 PM, do you know where your engineers are? And the idea behind this is uh, usually the engineers who have a day job for fun, they're doing something at 10 o'clock at night. And I've noticed whatever engineers are doing at 10 o'clock at night, it's usually the next big thing. Um, it's not work related sometimes, but sometimes it is. And then in your case, you're usually putting Linux on some, but this time at 10 p.m., you showed how to.
1: Use TFT So I, I okay. did a little bit of a, I guess like a five, six minute video um, talking about these large scale TFTs, how you can drive them, uh, and how I'm using a um, ESP32 S3 Warum eval board to try out. It comes with a square display, but I have these round displays. And so. You, know, you get a display, you have to get the init code, you have to program in the init code. Here's how you wire it. Here's when you need it and when you don't. Um, and then how I converted a bitmap from a BMP to a header file and then in- import it um, and draw it directly uh, from the in- firmware buffer onto the display. And that's how I did the test. Because like we had it like doing like some lines, but you're like, let's do something more fun. Also, you can tell the quality a little better when you have an image because you're like, OK, I'm looking at this. Um, drawing so um you know uh it's a little bit longer and of course we'll have more of a tutorial but just kind of a peek at me you know i have this pile of funky displays we showed last week and each one of them is a different it's all different like just because they look similar even the round ones you know because they're both round or they're both square doesn't mean that the way you bring up the displays is the same so um getting a bunch of display stuff now that displays are a reasonable price again uh, so 2.1-inch and 4-inch round displays so far have been successfully implemented. We'll do the square and bar displays next.
0: Right. And And uh, the engineers that are kind of watching this, they're like, Oh, like, we just got this nice comment. I was going to put in a mailbag. Yeah. Time. And
2: they're
0: like, Hey, this is really neat because the engineers who, who work with me, they like seeing the stuff on how you're bringing up these things. And then someone who is There's like, like
1: no documentation, on how to use yeah. these displays. You're completely like you are, on your own.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, um, one of the things that's hard, uh, for folks, they buy these round displays on like Amazon or Taobao or Waveshare or AliExpress and they don't work. And they kind of get soured on electronics in general, and it doesn't have to be that way. So we think we're going to have a pretty compelling offering with all the different shapes and shapes and sizes. Um, someone had asked, "Is there uh, a triangle display?" No, not that we're aware of.
1: Hexagon. We haven't seen any yet. but yeah. they, You know, these round displays are very Maybe. new. They didn't exist. I mean, they existed, but they were very expensive, and now they're, you know, much more available and on the market. So I think you we're going to see more cool display shapes. I think, like you know, the now it used to be displays were only from like cell phones, mobile phones, um, but now people are making all sorts of wearable and portable and home devices that need uh, cool shapes. I think hexagonal or octagonal would be like super neat. Hopefully, that's next. All
0: right, on well, Sunday we do from Deskalated. It's in two parts. Um, we did a recap on Circuit Python land, and then you were talking about some screens that you were testing and bringing out. Yeah, I had other, other screens,
1: screens. Other screens. So I did show off. Here's you know all those round displays. I don't think. Yeah, I did not get them working yet at at this desk of I only got like the, you know, the um, the demo that came with the eval board because I had purchased the eval board the previous day, so I got that booted, uh, and then over the weekend, uh, sorry, over the week is when I got the round displays going. So uh, instead, I showed off. Um, I finally finished the Rev H of the two point eight inch TFT shield. It's been revised multiple times uh it's now like ready to go so i've ordered the pcb's for vision. we'll get that back in the store um it's one of the things that didn't make the chip shortage and then um i also found uh when we were clearing out adafruit we found like three bins of these really nice capacitive touch 3.5 inch displays and it's like a little i'm a little embarrassed it's like i now remember that i had ordered i got them working i ordered them and then Something went wrong with like finishing the project. And so I was like, you know what? Let's finish it. Cause I don't, you know, it's like $10,000 with the TFTs. Uh, it's a little money. And I'd rather get them in the store than keep holding on to them. So uh, you see, I got the multi touch working with um, the, uh, the. Yeah, it's neat because you can do three. Yeah, I had like four fingers and you can see, like, I swipe and it's like red, yellow, green, blue.
0: Um. Then we do. Um... Where in the world is a part I need, otherwise known as the Great Search? Digikey, use your powers of engineering to help people find things on Digikey.com. Thanks, Digikey. What uh, did you try to find this week? Okay,
1: so this week somebody um, sent us a toot or a zoot, whatever they're called, and said, "Hey, somebody found this really cool dip clip uh, chip dip chip clip uh, to let you probe onto a." i think it's a 14 or 16 pin dip chip and they're like hey you know also soic chips for always like i want to clip onto them without desoldering them and dump firmware or reprogram the firmware out the memory so how can i get these clips and so i showed both soic and dip style including what to watch out for if you're using wide soic's for flash and most flash chips are wide and the the cheapest clip is not the one that supports it you have to go to the other one. So uh, check it out if you ever want to clip onto stuff um, and just probe directly. I have a bunch of these um, in my debugging that I use them all the time to uh, trace out um, whether the data I'm sending back and forth matches what I think I'm sending back and forth.
0: And uh, if you want, tag us on the socials if you want to either look for a part substitution or it's like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Where would I find it?
1: Yeah, I think next general like capacitor. Because I guess some people emailed also were like, hey, I'm fixing up this old device and I need to find a capacitor. How do I read the markings and find a matching cap? And it's yeah. not true. It's not obvious how you do it. So we'll we'll probably cover that in a week or two.
0: Yeah. Or sometimes folks are just like, how do I use all the options on like the DigiKey search to find the thing I'm looking for? So yeah, just I guess, you Can email me too, it's fine. Um, we get to all of them. Um. JP's a little bit under the weather, so there was not a product pick, and there might not be a workshop. Uh, on Fridays, we have Deep Dive with Tim. Sometimes Scott stops by. A
1: lot of people on vacation are a little sick this week. It is. Cool back-
0: time travel. Uh, I mentioned this in some previous shows. We're doing this, like, PCB of the day thing, because we're on a tear. Uh, we're going to have a post about 420 new redesigns, um, and then, you know, everyone makes 420, so we're going to have, like, maybe Funny Ground or something. Um, but we're putting up, uh, like, a preview of the stuff that's going on each day. This was last week's, like, top secret, but it's also, it was PCB of the day. It's ESP32S3 RGB. That's the like 2
1: documenter for the... Yeah,
0: for all these different screens. So that was... So the way a lot of these, just to give everyone an idea, we're trying to show all of our work all the time as an open source um, hardware company, is we might have a, what is the engineer doing at 10 p.m.? We might have a desk of lady 80. We might have a like, hey lady, what's that? We might have a top secret. And then you'll start to see, well, then here's the PCB. And then after the PCB comes in, here's us with the tester. And after that, here's us doing manufacturing of it with some of our manufacturing videos and then here's some amazing beautiful photos and demos of how it works and then here's the code on GitHub. here's the files published and then here's the open source hardware certification and then um, here's a discount code to buy it <laughs> so that's kind of like we you know we're showing all these different th- these different pieces so that's why our PCB of the day um, idea came from it. it's like oh let's show you even more Python um, on hardware time like yeah. We do a newsletter every single week. Um, I got two things I want to talk to you about. Yes. Um, first up, uh, we have the recap from CircuitPython Python Day.
2: I know it was a big success.
0: Yeah, and I think um, one of the things that's really hard to do is an event in general, and you probably always need to do like a virtual hybrid now and have the recordings in a place. Um, in person's a, a, a little bit harder now, especially like. Whatever natural disaster, weather thing, um, sickness, uh, something's going on always. So I, I, I think we we figured out a way to keep CircuitPython Python Day going while we figure out like what type of in person thing would we do? Would we bolt onto an event? So check out all of the videos that we have um, from our shows that we did: 3D Hangouts, heaps and Boops, Game Jam, um, <coughs> Excuse me, the Pi Message Project, um, CircuitPython Python Day Chat. And um, you can also watch some of the stuff with Scott, some of the really uh, deep innards of uh, Circuit Python. We do have an 823 release. Um, it's a you know dot update. So uh, if you're really interested in things, there's RGB matrix timing on the Sam X5X SMDs. Yeah, then...
1: there's we we've, we've been doing a lot of hacking to the, the matrices have, or some of the ones that we have in stock now are a little bit that pickier about timing. Yeah, so we just uh um
0: that going. lots of um projects one that I wanted to just mention is I so I saw um the movie Interstellar. I liked the graphics with the especially the black hole. I was like, "Oh, you know, they're pretty pretty good." Um I think it was around that time when we were getting the images of a black hole like the first, the first time. Yeah. It was like it was neat to kind of see that. But the the robot, um the TARS robot, I thought that was like a really cool idea this robot companion that it was AI and it's there to help you and stuff yeah um and when I saw maybe it was open source. someone had tagged us because they made a they made a bot and they used tomato fruit stuff yeah and that was really neat so that's in the newsletter um and I think this is a cute robot because it's like it was a very different design it's this it's this walking robot that has these blocks it wasn't like a humanoid it was meant to Clearly, it's a robot. Yeah. It's not just something that looks like a human. Like I am human, you know. I'm data, data fine. No, not dig on data. Um, but for this little segment, I wanted to ask you about merging.
1: The urge to merge. The
0: urge to merge. What's going on when we do emerge and more? With well,
1: the... one of the big I and mean, it's like one of the big projects that we're doing right now is prepping for Circuit Python nine. Right, like we're we're already at like eight two three. We've been supporting Espressif, you know, very well lately. So time to think about nine. And um, one of the things that we like to do is when we do a major release, that's a good time for us to do an upstream merge from MicroPython because we love MicroPython, but they they kind of like to make API changes, especially MPY file changes. And they've got good reason to do it. They're, they're doing this cool like load from file system stuff. Um, but we don't like to have breaking changes unless it's a major version. And so we kind of waited until, you know, we're kind of settled with eight. We're ready to do nine. Nine is going to be USB host, um, as well as maybe yeah. some Bluetooth stuff. We'll see. And, um, What's the
0: theme you think for nine USB hosts?
1: I think USB host is going to be the theme. <laughs> yeah. Because like, we're basically getting, getting,
0: Got to work on a new poster.
1: Um, give me like a little, like a hostess. Like,
0: yeah it could be like um
1: don't put the usb logo in there because i think you have to license to,
0: to not it. gonna be no and like who knows what the right logo anymore because there's like a billion like usb variants Anyways, like,
1: like the, the, the it could be like it could be like the blink tail with the
0: it could be blink serving up serv-, serving up Maps, the
1: yeah. mini uh so we're getting the, that going but we're also doing this upstream merge from 119 and 120 uh just have an MPY change, but also have just a lot of changes, which is good. I mean, we are the biggest, or one of the biggest sponsors of MicroPython. Yeah. We just money.
0: I guess we should mention it because you know you don't get credit and there's um people that try to dunk on you. So we give money to uh we specifically sponsor MicroPython um, and we increase that every single year. Yeah. I think we're the largest one, but someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Um we also help fundraise every year on the GitHub sponsors. Um so you can go to the MicroPython uh, GitHub repo, and you can see the sponsors. We also did that there because we wanted to show, like, hey, like we can do it because organizations could do it. Um, but then they, they're they getting closer to reaching their goals, and then they're um, able to hire more people, do more things. Yeah. All these things work together. So MicroPython is an open source core that we base Python off of. And then we do upstream changes, and they do changes, and we do stuff. And then you get a really nice ecosystem that allows hardware support across lots of different boards. MicroPython is going to support this stuff. We're going to be able to support like all four hundred plus boards that we want to support. Um, other people can make boards. So when we're um, doing upstream changes, what do, what's the what, what's the thing that we have to do to make it work? Each you know, time for people, are- you
1: know, We have stuff that we've done to the core, and, you know, it's a little bit like a, you know, I think last week you mentioned it was like a Linux distro. It, you have the same kernel, but the distribution, yeah. the what's enabled and the modules and like any changes like Raspbian is based heavily on Linux. But they do make changes to the kernel and they make changes to the, the way they package things in the file system. It's very similar. The kernel of functionality is the same between MicroPython and CircuitPython, like the parser and like you know whether we support async or you know f-strings that all comes from MicroPython and then CircuitPython adds API changes on top of it and sometimes there's a little bit more conflict and like the changes affect the same file and so doing the merge where we pull in all the changes from you know MicroPython and of course we also send stuff upstream as well we send bug fixes and changes and updates to them um but getting it to to sync up right it's 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 non-trivial people who have done um merges they know it's like it can be hundreds and hundreds of files that are edited and it's like you have to make sure that you stick them together perfectly so I think
0: Scott's probably gonna end up doing a video or something mm -hmm. about this or maybe Dan
1: well yeah so Scott and Dan and Jeff are all worked on this merge, but it's compiling and it's it's passing CI so it's now on, on to test and we're also going to update um, to ESP5, the IDF5. Okay. That's also coming up next. We want to do the merge first, because we figured that was tough. We might as well do that. And then we're going to do um, ESP5, because it's going to come in with a lot of fixes and updates. And uh, we'll let us support more expressive chips, which is yeah, 8th theme. All
0: right. Well, if cool. you want to keep up on all these and more, um, we deliver this newsletter every single week. Go to adafruitdaily.com, separate site, because we don't want your Customer information mixed in with newsletter stuff. So that's why we made another site. Later for daily, we don't spam. We don't share the information. We hate spam and all of that just as much as you do. Maybe even more. Um all right, Lady Data, we're an open source hardware company. How would you know that? Yeah. Yeah, I know. How do we know that? Um, so yay, we are up to six hundred Oshawa-certified designs and more. Which is interesting um, because
1: it had 420 redesigns and 600 total designs. Yeah. So I know how many more redesigns I've do so to to 180 more.
0: Oshawa has certification, um, it uses open source hardware definition. You got to post your files somewhere. You have to have a code under open source license. You can't have an NDA for stuff. You can't have closed source. You can't say, I'll release it later. It should be published somewhere. Kind of essentially it. And uh, at the time of um, this broadcast, Uh, we were up to 600. And we are currently the number one certified organization. Um, We were the first to get to 500. And now we're the first to get to 600. If you look at the number of projects, 600, yay. um, The total number of Designs Up certified are 2,000... That's
1: exactly one quarter.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 24.9% is Adafruit. Um, So what I thought I would do is C because i got a little ping while we were here so this is adafruit this is 600 i'm gonna hit refresh and see if anything's changed no so (laughs) it's still 600. okay but it's gonna go back to (laughs)
1: yeah
0: so uh well,
1: it didn't go down it didn't go down no i got a ping
0: that another thing got um certified so it was gonna and be you like
1: have to shift your 601.
0: i don't know. You to, like, um, fast and thought it was gonna be a little more anyways we'll see if how soon we get to um uh the next tier uh, now here's the 666 uh, oh, six, six, you want. Yeah. Ooh, I wonder what, we'll make a little uh Senpai, a little, red, little red board. Red um board. so um I guess one thing I'll say in the mini rant section is um you know um it would be great for uh Ashwa to um mention one day that we're have um, open source hardware that we certify. Um, I think there's a little bit of uh, conflict of interest on how OSHWA works. Um, And there's other companies that get in the spotlight. I think it's kind of cool that the number one company is a uh, certified woman owned minority business, Lady Ada Adafruit. And uh, that's kind of cool. But uh, yeah. So on the other hand, It's kind of cool to be completely ignored by the organization that you have the most certifications. So, anyways, eh, that's just kind of cool, like, you know.
1: But here's the good news.
0: Notice me, Senpai, that's a good one.
1: There are 75% more open hardware designs from other people. Yeah. It's not just us.
0: My thing is, like, if you're... I don't know,
1: we used to be 50% of the certifications, now we're not.
0: Yeah, my thing is, like, if you're an organization... you are what you celebrate. And if you've decided to ignore 25% of the the, the designs, because of like, weird personal reasons or something, um, you're not really serving the community. Um, so anyways, that's my thing. Okay. Um, also, to prove we're an open source, Hardware company lady. Anna. We have a bunch of guides. Yes. So some great guide. this the guides. This guy's the big board. Uh,
1: so the three big guides is we've got uh the Erin Teddy Workspin Rebuild. Uh she reprogrammed a modern Teddy Workspin with custom audio files um and movements that match, and she did a tutorial on it. And you can follow along. A bunch of people emailed us and said, Hey, you know, when you posted the video of uh, your um, uh, Shawshank Redemption bear, uh, people are like, I want to do that. I guess uh, so. Uh, more family. I don't,
0: anyone, I don't know if anyone wanted
1: more family. There's
0: Shawshank Redemption. Re- Redemption. It's
1: in a cool Figment outfit, and uh, and then um,
0: Morgan Freeman as a teddy bear is like, been thinking about that for years. It's a good. You can,
1: I mean, it's right down there. Um, and then Liz did a guide on using Docker uh, to compile um, UC Linux. For the ESP32 S3, it's a no MMU version of a Linux kernel with BusyBox. It's build root. It's really minimal. I mean, like it fits in 8 megabytes or 16 megabytes of flash and 8 megabytes of PSRAM. Um, but, you know, you want to do it, uh, you can do it. And Docker is a great way to do it because it's, um, believe me, it's a, re- a big project to compile. because You need to compile the cross tool and then you need some versions of like AutoConf that are, spe- you know, everything special you can do it under wsl but it's a PMS. so docker is a great way to do it and uh, liz also added how to update the configuration for the expressive chip so if you want more flash and more memory so there's modules that have even more how to configure it and also um how to tweak the build root settings so you can change like the host name um we're not going to do much more with this because i feel like you know for 30 bucks you can just get a raspberry pi um, but this should get people started because I think just getting the build going is, is some of the tougher part. And then knowing Pedro did this very cool project where they uh, picked up... Uh, like Ahsoka is actually like on Disney Plus like tonight or something. They've released him. Um, she's got... The character has these cool dual-wielded light saber blade things. I don't know like what the particular type is called. Um, but her lightsabers are white and um, there's a toy that you can get off the shelf but it's not as good as if you build it yourself. Like the sound effects aren't as good, and it's the speaker maybe not as loud. And the LEDs are definitely not as bright as NeoPixels, like dual strip NeoPixels with a cool light effect. And so this is a kind of a rebuild where it shows like, hey, you can use the body of the toy, put in a prop maker feather and you can like totally customize it and uh, take advantage of the injection molding, um, but with much better quality electronics on the inside.
0: Okay, and Aaron did an amazing video for the Teddy Ruxpin rebuild with Figment, so it's three minutes, but it's uh, super zen, so I'm just gonna watch it as this teddy bear gets uh taken apart, put back together, and turned into something very wholesome and nice. So on the other side.
3: Hi, my name is Teddy Ruxpin. Can you and I be friends?
2: Hello, Billy. Hello, Daisy. Would you like to hear a story? Hello, Billy. Hello, Daisy. Would you like to hear a story?
0: Before we go off to the next segment, don't forget ESP friends. Um, we probably have a couple more of these left that gets you a discount. Let's do some advanced manufacturing. Footage. Okay, guess what? Um, yeah. We're just gonna roll right into 3D printing. We have uh, the video you alluded to, with the new Star Wars series, and a speed up. Take it away, you knowing and Pedro and um, and Younglings
1: and Younglings. Yeah.
3: You can turn your toy lightsaber into a high-quality build with Ada eight... RP2040, ProtMaker Feather, and CircuitPython. This toy lightsaber features a detachable blade that we were able to upgrade with a strip of Neopixels. We gutted the toy's electronics and added the RP2040 prop maker feather. We really like the injection molded parts, so there's no 3D printing in this project. The original blade only has around 20 LEDs, so we swapped them out for a strip of Neopixels for getting better animations that can be set to any color. The stock blade has white LEDs that show noticeable dark spots when compared to our Neopixel blade. The CircuitPython code has customizable settings for colors and you can adjust the sensitivity of the swings so you can make it match your preference. You can also swap out the audio files to make it super custom. To learn how to upgrade your toy lightsaber, go to learn.adafruit.com Get the parts to build this project, links are in the description. Start by removing the pommel, then remove the screw from the battery cover. The two halves are held together with just a few screws so it's easy to take apart. Carefully unplug the connectors from the main board and desolder the wires from the various components. You can splice wires to extend the cable from the pogo pin connector. Attach a 2-pin JST cable to the terminals on the battery holder so we can plug it into the feather. The wires from the button can be attached to the prop maker's screw block terminals. You'll need to cut the trace on the back of the feather to disable lipocharging so we can safely use alkaline batteries. Add another JST cable for the power switch and insulate the exposed pins with some Kapton tape to avoid shorting. Then we can plug everything together and close it back up. Take apart the blade by removing the screws from the Pogo pin connector, then remove the plastic pin from the tube. Carefully slide out the diffuser and take out the LED PCB while keeping the cover and diffuser inside the tube. Now we can solder the wires from the Pogo pin connector to our strip of NeoPixels. Then we can fit it into the diffuser sleeve and slide it back into the tube. Place the covers of the pogo pin connector back onto the blade and secure it using the screws. We think this makes our toy lightsaber so much better and really like how we were able to use most of the electronics. We hope this inspires you to upgrade your toy props with CircuitPython and the RP2040 prop maker feather.
0: a lot of printing um and we also were like oh no did I mess up the the, the music yeah so that's uh we have, we have an extended version of LionMPI uh, music so speaking of let's just roll right in hi on MPI brought to you by DigiKey thing DigiKey this week it is Renaissance that's right yeah. what is the npi new product introduction of the week this week
1: okay so this is a renaissance uh, sensor conditioning chip which i actually had on my list for a while and it's in stock now um uh, so i'm glad to finally be able to feature it okay this is the ZSSC three two four one the ssc is uh sensor signal conditioning and Z is, you know, when I saw all this stuff starts with Z. The rest of the numbers don't know what they mean, but this chip is pretty cool. Um, I You know, when I look at the stuff to do for IMPI, there's a lot of like, here's another MOSFET. Here's another, you know, buck boost converter. Here's another connector. And so, you know, I try not to just cover the same types of things. I like it when there's like a new unique chip. And this is definitely like unique. I've never seen a chip like this specifically designed for interfacing with um, resistive and uh, resistor bridge sensors without having to kind of DIY it all yourself using op amps and 24-bit ADCs. So this is a chip, and it's got like, you know, every time you look at it, uh, like there's like more stuff that you discover, and you're like, that's kind of cool. It's a chip that's designed, again, to read uh, bridge, half bridge, or um, resistive sensors. It can actually also do, I think, voltage uh, source um, sensors. And I'll talk about some of those and like some of the details, like it can do SPI or I2C or one wire, but it has analog output. It can set up the resistor, resistive style or voltage style um, sensor in any kind of configuration. And there's like dozens and dozens of knobs and adjustments that you can do uh, to make it perfect for connecting to a sensor. And you, you probably don't need any other analog circuitry. You can just plug this in and you get, you know, the ADC, the gain, the calibration, the NVM, everything, um, for the same price as an ADC. So um, a lot of people, when they start electronics, they'll make a, you know, their first sensor project after a button is using usually a light sensor like this one. This is a CDS cell, a cadmium sulfide cell. And uh, these are, this is a beautiful diagram by Philby. Um, they're made with a material that as more light hits it, the resistance changes. Uh, And so you can basically use it as a light sensor. A lot of people are like, oh, this is a temperature sensor, humidity sensor. But when you actually look at how the sensor works, it's not that you're measuring humidity. You're measuring a capacitor that is affected by humidity. Or in this case, you're not really measuring light. You're measuring resistance that changes with light. Um, And so... For these sensors, the you know, the CDS cells, they're pretty easy to wire up. And that's why they're good for beginners. It's a really good, you know, first analog input sensing project because you have your LDR, your light-dependent resistor, and then you have a fixed 10K resistor, you turn them into a voltage divider, and then you read the analog voltage into your microcontroller pin, like an Arduino or um, you know, a Renaissance RA4M know, wi-fi minima you know you can also use those anything with an adc and um it's really easy because voltage reading is done um just about every microcontroller um, they don't have resistor readers they actually only have voltage dividers so it's another layer you know not only you're not measuring light you're measuring resistance that changes with light you're not even measuring resistance you're measuring voltage that will change with the resistance that will change with light and cds cells the resistance changes a lot so depending on whether it's dark or light you're going to get you know three plus orders of magnitude difference from when it's dark 300 ohms to sorry when it's uh bright um you know 100 or 200 300 ohms all the way down to 600 kilo ohms when it's dim or dark. So there's a, such a wide range that that resistor divider, you'll get like zero to three volts pretty easily. It, it's very easy, even if you have an 8-bit or 10-bit microcontroller or ADC, you're gonna be able to read that difference. But other resistor sensors, especially as you become you know a more skilled engineer, um, other resistive sensors are a little tougher to use. This is a, a PT100. This is a piece of platinum that is calibrated to be 100 ohms or 1 kilo ohm in room temperature, 25.0 degrees C. And as the temperature changes, the resistance changes. In this case, it has three wires for calibration reasons. But really, it's a resistor. That's only the red, the two red wires are used. Uh, Sorry, only one of the red and one of the white wires are used. So this is, uh, for example, from the data sheet for an RTD from Honeywell. And you'll see, you know, the resistance changes very, very slightly, um, but it does have a wide range from negative 100 to 600 ohms. And, um, you know, it'll go down one quarter or up by 20%, uh, depending on the temperature. So there is a little bit of um, variation, but it's not going to be the... uh, three order of magnitude variation of the CDSL. It's going to be a much smaller amount. And a lot of people use PT 100 or one thousands because they're very good precision. So you can get you know point 0.1 degree or 0.5 degree um, precision and accuracy over a wide temperature range. But only if you can read that resistance at the accuracy that you want. Right? If your ADC is, is, has 5% error, doesn't matter how good your um sensor is you're going to have the error that comes in from uh, temperature variation or from the resistor variation another common resistive type cell is the strain gauge uh these come with four wires because they're actually usually pre-wired up in a uh, wheatstone bridge not going to cover wheatstone bridge don't have time to talk about how um that works but it's a way of it's a, it's a slightly better way than just a resistor divider way of measuring resistance changes. This is made by um, micro-printing a conductive material that as um, it gets bent or you know twisted or torqued or whatever, the resistance changes, and it really is a very, very small amount. Like, if you thought the PT100 was a small variation, this is even less. Like, to read a strain gauge, you really need a uh, 24-bit ADC. So um what this chip does, you know so like this is you know you you can't really use a resistor divider. By the time you get to the PT100 or PT1000 or the strain gauges you you can't really use a microcontroller ADC if you want to get any reasonable uh precision because with the light sensor maybe you just want to know is it light or dark like those are often used for automatically turning on uh you know outdoor lights. They just need to know is it dark or light out. They don't care how many lux. But with temperature and weight you often need to have very good accuracy if you're using that temperature sensor in a chemical um, reaction container you need to have it be calibrated and perfectly kept at the temperature for as long as you need for the chemical reaction to occur for the load cell if you're going to the store and you're buying a pound of meat or veggies you don't want to be charged more and you don't want to get less it has to be you know within one percent or point 0.1% um, accuracy and precision you want you want really good quality output so you, you know, what you can often do is, you know, maybe you have a better quality resistor, maybe you have some code that does some calibration, maybe use an op amp, but it can get, you know, very complicated. You end up with a lot of potentiometers that you're tweaking to try to optimize the um, output to get it to be the same, because each strain gauge has slight variations too. PT100 are usually pre-calibrated for you, but still sometimes there's a little bit of offset to your sensor. This chip, the uh, SCC, 34, oh boy, I forgot the last few digits, the ZSSC, what it does is everything you need. It's got the PGA, the programmable gain stage. It's got 24 to 12 to 24 bit ADC, and um, it's got a math section that can do offset calculations for you. And we'll go through it. Um, And then the output again, can, they can output in three different ways. You can get the output as SPI, I squared C data, or analog output, which I think is very interesting. So you can get the value in, perform all these mathematical calculations on it, and then you pipe the, the voltage that you want scaled um, to the A out pin. Okay, so here are some application examples. You know, they show it with, um, you know, a, a bridge, uh, a Wheatstone bridge setup. They show, you know, uh, again, a PT100 or PT1000 is very popular or a a ptc resistor divider or um you've got a uh strain gauge they have one wire output which i think is kind of fascinating that's very rare to see something that is programmable with one wire but it does let you use it in um setups you've got like some dallas 18b 20s you want to have some other kind of sensor with only one wire output um you can set it up with this you do have to pre-configure it um but at least then you can you can read the data back out although one wire is a little slow um there's like i said bazillion knobs there is uh for example adc you can go all the way up to 24-bit adc if you need that precision but it's going to be much slower uh you're only going to get you know it looks like it takes uh 4.7 milliseconds per conversion whereas 12-bit you're going to get it be like 40 times faster so you know you you have a trade-off of adc resolution and speed there's also internally a programmable gain stage very handy um you know especially for those strain gauges where the changes in resistance are so so small you might want to have multiple both the 1.8 second gain stage and the 300 times um first stage but when you're dealing with something like a um light resistor or a temperature A positive temperature coefficient resistor, maybe you don't need as much gain, you don't want to blow out your um, analog uh, digital input, but this saves you all that op amp configuration. Um, There's also how you you can configure it, you saw in the application diagram, you can set up as a resistor divider, and it will, you can have it, you know, set up with what resistor you want. It'll handle the internal resistor for you, or you can set up as a bridge there's also interrupt outputs Um, you can tell it hey you know I want IRQ based on this threshold change above or below and they've got examples for all of that and then uh, I think I don't have it here but you can have it in continuous you can set it for continuous um, readings or you can do one-shots so if you want continuous that's when you would have like the analog output or you know you just whenever the data is ready you read it from i squared c or SPI there's also non-volatile memory built in so this would be great for where you put your uh, calibration settings so you know each sensor does have slight change you know what when you get a sensor that oh this humidity sensor has you know one percent or two percent humidity why how how can they get that when most humidity sensors are three to five percent uh it's just because they're calibrated it's not like they build them any better the the sensor itself um the way the sensor is built may natively have some inif- uh inaccuracies but you can calibrate them um and non-volatile memory is where you store that store that calibration so you you know you calibrate it in the factory you send it out to the user and each one's going to have slightly different settings in here for uh voltage offsets for temperature coefficients like there's all these settings that you can use the non-volatile memory for there's also a diagnostic check command so it'll tell you like hey your sensor are disconnected, or it's sorted um or you know I think I'm putting this much current in but I'm actually you know this much is what's coming out um so you can uh make sure that you know when you're dealing with these simple resistive sensors uh it's it's very easy for them to get disconnected and suddenly like your your temperature you think it is is shooting up or shooting down because it's actually uh, measuring an open circuit and i also recommend there is eval boards available um particularly because this sensor has so many knobs and settings what's nice about getting the eval board is that you plug it into your computer and run the software and you can tweak each one of those settings and see the output. Um, so you don't have to like write the whole driver and figure out what is it gonna, you know, with your particular sensor, what's the configuration values you're gonna need. You set it all up in the eval software, and then you can uh, they have an output that tells you what I2C or SPI commands it was sent. You can then import that into your firmware. And uh you use this example showing all the different places you can um configure it. And it is in stock. Go on, the S- zsSC 3241 available and again the pricing it's about the same price as a 24-bit ADC so instead of just getting an ADC that might work only over I squared C or SPI get this and you get the ADC and the programmable gain and the configuration and the NVM internal temperature sensors continuous mode duh, 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 forever and ever and ever um and you can use it with like pretty much any kind of resistive sensor
0: and yeah, that's I M P I. MPI on okay. Um, we're gonna do your new products. We have one, and it's
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a really good one. So here we go. New,
1: new, 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 new,
0: Okay, the first tonight I just like to lady, to our community, our customers, the tire your team who makes this go is
1: yeah the Metro ESP32 S3 is finally in the shop we had this as it coming soon for a bit thanks to everybody who signed up we will notify you if you signed up I want to make sure that we had some for people watching the show live um it's chock full of stuff so let's we can either go to the overheading or the next image. show okay so you got your ESP32 S3 room module that's in the middle there it's pre-certified uh with you know FCC and C certifications for the emitter It's got 16 megabytes of flash memory built in and eight megabytes of octal PS RAM, which means it can drive, you know, these cool TFT displays. It can drive LED matrices. It's got so much RAM and so much flash. It'll fit like pretty much every project you can. And, you know, they do make versions that have even more like they have 16 and 16 or 32 and 16, but I wanted to strike a balance. I thought this was a good amount. Like you can definitely drive TFT displays, but you also aren't you know paying as much as the you know the higher prices of the modules i think this is a a, a very roomy module it's got USB C, so if that's power and programming and debugging there's also the debug port so if you want to connect an external usb to serial converter for debugging on the hardware UART, that's available i also put out the jtag connector um, i'll be honest i've never really used the jtag connector on um, the esp32s3 but they do have support for uh, step debugging with openocd you can check out their tutorials on doing that and the connector is there ready to go um you've got the boot button and the reset button so you can put it to bootloader mode and reset it um you have the arduino compatible pinout and i did my best to make the pin number match the native gpio of the esp while also matching um the Arduino numbering. Only thing that didn't make it is zero and one are actually forty and forty one. Though the RX and TX because pin zero is actually not uh, available. It's used for the bootloader. So I figured you know I'll just name them RX and TX. And then next to the RX and TX is also a battery uh, charging and monitoring circuit. So you want to plug in a Lipo battery. You know you can get especially if you cut the trace for the Neopixel. You get down to about 100 120 microamps so it can get fairly low power um the neopixel does draw like half a milliamp so uh you do have to cut that trace if you um want to get to the lowest power usage but you know it's still it's still a fairly good low power uh, performance Not as good as the feather because it's optimized but still quite good stomach ut pinout for connecting sensors plug and play even a spot for micro sd card so great for data logging uh or reading circuit python or file storage and that's connected to the hardware spi pins on off switch and you can plug it into a dc jack six to 12 volts dc so if you want to power you know big motors um and you want like one 12 volt power supply this will have a a built-in regulator to give you five and three volts um while you can still um i use it for uh powering your motors or your 12 volt led strip and uh fully assembled and you just can use it with circuit python you can use it with arduino it's like super chunky and great for developing with you know basically the latest uh expressive chip very powerful wi-fi and bluetooth low energy capable arduino circuit python micro python everyone loves this chip and that's a metro format
0: Okie dokie. So if there's any left, try to get it. Just be friends. Um, we're going to do Top Secret, and if there's any questions, a little light night tonight. Um, we were doing some in the chat earlier, so maybe we got to them. But do put the questions up in Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Um, let's do Top Secret. Yeah. Okay, so for Top Secret, we're going to show three videos. See you on the other side. And then um, we'll do a couple questions and then get out of here.
1: Related, what is this? Well, usually I'm showing off a tester that has pogo pins, but uh, in this case, I'm going to show how I'm building a tester for this revision of the TFT Touch Shield for the micro SD card. I want to test that as a display and as a touch driver, so I have to test all that stuff too, and all these connectors. So in this case, I'm actually going to use a Metro RP2040. Um, we just put these in the shop, and uh, they're very low cost, and um, I don't have to worry about... Uh, you know, the UF2 bootloader is built in, so they're a lot more reliable. Um, and in this case, it's getting a little code that's looking for an SD card. And when I insert the SD card, it looks for an image called woof. And then uh, I can test the touchscreen. And so this is a great way for me to uh, give the test prep folks at Adafruit uh, a quick way to test all the functionality for this shield so we can get into the shop very quickly. So this just needs to get taped down. And I can see the tape on the back. Put it on there. Bam, new product.
0: Early data, what is this?
1: I'm testing out some displays that I found in some bins. I ordered these a long time ago. These are 3.5 inch capacitive touch displays. So I made a breakout board uh, with an iSpy connector, and you see I made a little mistake, but I fixed it with some blue wire hacks. And then I've got it wired up here to an iSpy BFF on a cutie pie. And uh, just testing out the capacitive touch display. Something interesting about this display is actually it's multi touch capable. So I can put three fingers down, and you can see it detects the three touches and draws them with different colors. Kind of neat. It uh, actually has like five multi touch, so you can see it's got four or five fingers all can touch at the same time. This chip doesn't actually support gestures, you'd have to do that on the microcontroller. Um, it's an unfortunate side effect, but otherwise it works pretty nicely. So I'm going to wrap up, fix that little mistake, and then we'll get these nice 480 by 320 displays into the
2: shop.
0: early Lady, what was this?
2: This is me testing out a 2.1-inch capacitive touch IPS display that uses RGB TTL. It's a 18-bit color display. It's... Uh, 480 by 480, so it's actually like a high-resolution display, which means it doesn't use SPI. It uses parallel RGB, and usually that's really hard to do on a mic controller, But the ESP32 S3 can do it. I'm mean, ESP32. If it's got enough PSRAM, and then this board, this is actually an eval board called the LCD EV, and this originally came with a square display. But um, one fun fact is almost all these 40-pin displays are the same pinout, so. I had to update the init code, and the capacitive touch driver is a little bit different, too, but uh, I got it working, and uh, we've got an Arduino library, and then CircuitPython is coming up next. So this is looking great, getting those cool displays working, one at a time.
0: Okay, live from the intersectoring. Okay, so that's the eyeball.
1: Eyeball.
0: And we're working on this, and then this was the intro. So um, anything to add before we uh, want to show, just real fast, hold it up.
1: No, I mean, I can just show it on the overhead. I think, you know, the, real. the video um, was pretty good. So this is a four-inch display. I'm going to also get a version of this that has capacitive touch. This one does not have touch, so you can poke yourself in the eyeball all you want. But, I mean, like, it's so, like, it's so cool and weird. Um, great for Halloween. Maybe we'll have it just in time. So, you know, we have, there's an Arduino library that can support these um and I just have to program in the init code and then Jeppler has been working on CircuitPython support you do need to have something like this um, Metro ESP32-S3 which has eight megabytes of PS RAM because these displays unlike the 3.5 or 2.8 or 1.2 inch displays the small ones those have built-in memory this does not you have to draw the screen constantly so while it looks like nothing is happening actually a lot is happening it's constantly redrawing like every second uh sorry every point every 50 hertz whatever 60 hertz it's redrawing the display which means that you get very fast redraws but you have to have the memory for the display buffered inside of here and it's constantly like outputting it so the only thing i don't know is if it's doing this kind of display output you know is that happening on one core and you can do wi-fi on the other core and how does this work with the octal PS RAM because like can you do stuff during the the you know VSync or does it buffer i don't actually understand how it works um but uh, i'll definitely be learning more about it as we're pushing the limits because it would be cool to make like a round pi portal like literally it's a portal and you can like show stuff from the internet but it's round cool. um so yeah i'd wanted you know we asked you like which ones should i do and you said do the round ones so i did the uh i did the round ones yes yeah.
0: nothing illustrates what we're up to other than giant eyeballs okay That's, uh,
1: this week.
0: Okay. I see two questions lined up in the chat. There's another one. We'll get to it. Um, and then uh, we shall bounce. Are you ready? Okay. Um, I'll answer this one. Any updates on the past ESP32 board with the camera? Just curious if it's still a fe- future product. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to it. Um, oops. Got to put us here.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm so, it.
0: yeah. One of the things working out in the open, it's a little uh, tough sometimes because we'll show something and it seems like it might be released tomorrow, but we have to get parts. There's testing. There's a lot of code. There's a lot of software, but we still want to show you everything
1: yeah like the um what's funny is about the display I showed in that one minute video Like I got those displays in twenty nineteen. Yeah. like it sucks how okay. long it's been
0: I'm wondering how I'll control these vtstvpv zero levels are iq from Arduino thinking about some stack zeners plus analog mux like the uh nju211 with some shot key diodes
1: analog switches are a good way to handle high voltages I mean you can also use um multiple transistors and you make a little transistor ladder Ah, uh, that's the other way to do it.
0: Oh, this is a good question. Um, because a lot of people have like dead laptops, and they're like, "Whoa, I wish I could use a screen." Um, you've done a lot of work in displays. Just curious, what would it take to drive a laptop display, even if it's lower resolution? It's possible to do that with a chip like ESP thirty
1: it c- it to S three. Yes, those are LVDS displays, and so they need, um, they basically need an LVDS driver, usually RTD ten that two six six zero two six six two. You can use but you also need like the cable that goes to the laptop and they're not always the same it's kind of like annoying they're you know it's very custom made for each laptop maker so you know the best thing you can do is um like honestly if you can google see if other people have done it uh what they use in the configuration. it's not as easy these displays are not used on, on laptops they're used in products not laptops
0: yeah and then um last up uh Since those are all the questions, this one is more of a general one. Um, We've written about this a little bit. We've talked about it. This is a question looking for a project problem to solve a PCB design. Where do you look for inspiration? How do you come up with designs? Well, this community is a great one. Um, There's often something that someone wants to do. Like I want to connect to this to that. I want to have this keyboard work with this retro thing. So there's always people that are looking to do something. The the other thing that I've noticed the way you work is um, you, you have all of these like people in your head and you're, you have empathy for these users and these beginners. And it's like, well, what would be the easiest, best thing possible that's also low cost and powerful yeah. open source? And so it's almost like imagining yourself in someone else's shoes and like, well, what would be the best thing for this? Like when we did Cricket, which is a robotics platform, or Circuit Playground Express, we talked to educators.
1: Pad, like, I was just like, yeah. oh, all these macro pads, like there isn't one that just has a little bit of everything and is programmable and like easy to use. Um, but definitely like there's communities online where people chit chat and like, wow. you know, get inspiration for what other people doing. Look at what other people are doing. That's open source. I have 600 designs, go grab one of them and tweak it.
0: The other thing, and this is just like, oh, so that's the nice, like inspirational, <laughs> like, yay, wholesome answer. There is another answer too, which is sometimes, um, people do closed source stuff it's predatory they make you sign in DAs for the software there's all these things there maybe they'll they copy a design that was open source and they close source it so if you're inspired um remake their design make it open source and make it better yeah <laughs> like there's always stuff reverse get, engineer or stuff or there's a
1: product or, that gets discontinued
0: um reverse engineer something that's yeah, uh, well. uh that's not approachable by uh makers and make it easy and approachable um, we've had to do that before. There's companies that like, we have this like blob of software and you can't ever do anything with it. And it makes, you know, touch screens. We're like, okay. Yeah. So that's an answer. Okay. those are questions for the night. Thank cool. you so much, everyone. Special thanks to Car who's behind the scenes. Thanks, Kara. In the Adafruit Slack and helping out folks that are contacting us if needed. We will see everybody every week in some way, shape, or form, either show and tell, or ask an engineer or shiz. Throughout the day, this has been Adafruit Production. Here's a moment to Zener, everybody. Good night,
2: everybody.